Hi, welcome to episode 74 of Talk About the Passion, Rip It Out. My guest today is Fred Estby. Fred is a founding member of the death metal band Dismember and was nice enough to chat with me for an hour or so about growing up in Stockholm, Sweden. We talk about what it was like getting into metal there in the 80s. We dive deep into things like how key the tape trading network was for spreading underground metal all around the globe. We talk about the time Dismember defended themselves in court after one of their records was deemed obscene. A fascinating story, and Fred, you know, he's really a great storyteller, so that, that's a really cool story with a happy ending. Uh, doing these conversations with people who sometimes I'm talking to for the first time can be uh, pretty daunting, especially over the phone. Uh, but but Fred and I hit it off immediately, and, uh, you know, I, I've loved every episode that I've done of this, but i, I got to say this is one of my favorites I've done. It was... Uh, Great time talking to him. Uh, Dismember, one of the you know pioneering death metal bands from Sweden. Uh, they have a number of great records uh, that they're not up on um, streaming services right now, but uh, I'm sure you can track them all down. And you know the history behind them, so it was it was really cool to talk to Fred. Uh, a couple more things, and we'll get this started. I'm on social media on Facebook and Instagram. I keep those up to date, and of course, if you want to contact me, those two places are probably the best. Want to be on an upcoming episode or know someone who should, send me a message there. If you like what you hear here, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Well, here we go with episode 74, Rip It Out with Fred Espy. Thanks for listening. All right, well, I'm here on the phone with uh, Fred Estby. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, and thanks to uh, our mutual friend, Nathaniel, for uh, getting us together here. That was, uh, that was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you're in the New York area? Yeah, uh, just across the Hudson River in New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, we, mo- we moved out of the city uh, in October last year. Yeah. It was kind of, it was, you know. We were done with that apartment and the landlord, so we thought that, you know, let's look what's beyond the, the water. Right. <laughs> nice. And uh, and where, so where did you grow up, Fred? Uh, I grew up in Stockholm, Sweden. So uh, that's the capital of Sweden. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not a huge city by any means. Uh, probably around, when I grew up, probably around one million people mm-hmm. resided in that city back then. Yeah. And uh, so, how how young were you when you started getting into music? Um, you know, like listening to music actively, I was probably around five because I I was you know my dad played a lot of music in the car and so on. So I got into Elvis Presley, and then you know started started school, yeah. met some kids who had like Kiss records, and yeah. you know uh, it was just you know it was a good time to be alive. Yeah, right? yeah late 70s you know yeah. so that's how it started and after that it was just like you know the the harder the heavier the, the faster the better yeah yeah i feel like kiss is i'm around i'm around, I'm around the same age as you i grew i'm about fi- i'm 50 51 um oh yeah all right so kiss it seems like a lot of people i talked to kiss was uh sort of an op- a door a doorway to a lot of stuff yeah, did did you see it that way too? Yeah, when you, yeah, 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 definitely. And then, how, how old were you when you heard Kiss the first time? Uh, I was seven. 
So uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's the same as me, but I'm yeah. I'm 48 now, so okay, yeah. I, I was a little bit late on the ball, but yeah, you know. yeah. My dad uh, worked in the music business, so we he he took us to see them early on, and then we saw them uh, when they filmed that movie, the uh, Fan, Phantom <laughs> Phantom of the uh, Park. The we park? were at that at that concert. Oh, so uh... <laughs> now I'm super jealous. <laughs> but uh. But it's funny because at that time, listening to a band like Kiss, you know the record covers. I'm sure that did, was that something that attracted you, like the the makeup and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, the fire. I mean, the yeah. the cover of Alive. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. It, it was just like you know, it was so weird. Yeah. You know, as a kid, I, I was like, D- are they wearing? wigs like how can they have <laughs> hair like that yeah. you know like people yeah. in sweden didn't have long hair like that and right. most people are kind of you know still back then people were pretty like you know fine blonde hair and if they tried to grow it out it didn't look like that right, you know? so right. like who, who are these guys are they for real like you know and then, then you know it's, it's kind of a fun period as a kid too when you realize something that cool you know there there's so many legends that you yeah create yourself or you hear from someone else so you're like yeah these these guys are like out of this world yeah do you uh do you, so do you remember the, the first record by them that you that you did here or that you got? yeah i bought i bought dynasty when it came out uh, okay. i had just started first grade and this was like a couple of weeks after i met my friend who showed me all the kiss records so i was yeah. like all right so i i saved up some money you know my my weekly allowance and yeah. It was like five bucks or something, right. I, as I recall it. And I went down to the only like record store, and I was like, "I'm gonna have a Kiss album, my yeah. own Kiss album. I can't just borrow my friends or yeah. record, you know, to tape from his album. So I, I need one of myself." And and they only had Dynasty, but so I was like, "Well, I'm having this." You know? <laughs> yeah. Not the not the best album right. to start with, but but then again, I even then I understood that like when my mom was kind of like liking two of the songs on the album, I was like, this is not <laughs> this is not the best Kiss album. Yeah. The disco, the disco era, but yeah. still, hey, someone's you know everyone's going to start somewhere, so no, no shame exactly. in that, you know. Exactly. And uh, did did you see them early on as a kid? <laughs> Yeah, uh, unfortunately, you know, I was too young when they played in Sweden. The first time, that was back in 1976. And that yeah. was like a leg- legendary right. uh, show in Stockholm at an amusement park. I was only four years old. My yeah. parents actually walked past the, the the amusement park and they had like a the, the tour poster for Kiss. And my dad was joking around, you know, four years old. It was yeah. kind of squirmish, you know. Yeah. And he was like, oh, do you want to go see this concert? And I was scared right but <laughs> oh, but yeah. it was it was funny that they were like all right remember a couple of years ago you like this band now you used you were scared of them you know yeah. i was like damn it why didn't you let me go they were like oh, we're not taking a four-year-old to a <laughs> kiss know, right? concert yeah. no but i saw i saw them unfortunately the uh the first show i saw that was the lick it up tour so oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but me and my brother we went there and we were you know we had the makeup on and everything. oh nice yeah yeah, so. Who who are you with the makeup? Um, always Ace. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, um, uh, even though he wasn't even in the band. You know? Yeah, I know, right? And was it was that the first concert you ever saw, or did you see stuff yeah, before that? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. Nice, and that was in a, like an arena. Yeah, it was like a hockey arena. Yeah. It held held like uh, nine to ten thousand people. I think. Yeah. It was sold out, so it was great, you know. But but after that, yeah, I was sold. Saw Monsters of Rock. Uh, 
tour the summer after in in the outdoor arena here. It was okay. ACDC, uh, Van Halen, and Motley Crue. So that oh was, yeah, yeah. That was a great show too. Yeah, yeah. That was... So from there, from there, it just you know rolled on. Yeah, you get heavier and heavier. It's funny when you look back at Kiss. You you know you, as a kid you'd look at those album covers like Destroyer, and then all the songs were about girls and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, so did you start, you know, wanting something sort of heavier, you know, and just something more that you could relate to? Because I, I know of me as a kid, like, girls, you know, was sort of an afterthought once I got really into music, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it was for us too. But, yeah. you know, if I started listening to Kiss in 79 yeah. and by 83, you know, I, in between 79 and, and 83, there were a lot of, you know, you, you know, you heard Black Sabbath, yeah. uh, White Snake, uh, yeah. Accept and Motorhead. And that was like, oh, now it's getting faster. It's getting heavier, you know, like, and then suddenly Metallica came out yeah. and some the first album and I was just like so but a lot of people over in Sweden were kind of like you know that that's too extreme you know like yeah. even if you're into heavy metal that's too extreme yeah. Dude, th those guys are like you know to play music like that is not music anymore it's like those guys are druggies and everything right, and I right. was like I was like I lost a lot of like friends who liked heavy metal because I they they were not into Metallica and thought I was an oh, really? idiot for liking them. Yeah, huh. it was kind of weird. Yeah. You know, I, I saw the first Metallica show in Stockholm too. I was only twelve and they yeah. played in you know, they were uh, doing the Ride Lightning tour. Oh wow, nice. Great show. Yeah. You know, and loud as hell and you know, pretty small venue too. So it was really cool to be able to to see that so early on. But yeah. but then it took until, you know, not until I'd say Injustice for All that you started to see people with Metallica shirts. Yeah, yeah. So were so people there, were they just more purist and they, you know, Iron Maiden yeah. and that kind of thing was sort of the, the pinnacle of exactly. that's as heavy yeah. as it got. Exactly. I think exactly. there's still there's still people like that. <laughs> that you know I know. And I know. and it's it's a it's I mean it's a cool thing about metal is we have so many different styles of it, so but they all fall under the same umbrella, you know. Yeah, but, uh, exactly, and and I think today, like it, I mean, no matter. I mean, there are a lot of styles within metal that I cannot listen to. Yeah, and but that's just how it goes. But yeah. I think yeah. today, I mean, it's a pretty cool thing though that you can. It's it's a little bit more allowed. I feel like yeah. within yeah. the the scene that you can actually be into different types of of metal or or heavy music. Yeah. I mean, because that was kind of like when we grew up. If I was into Metallica, when the well, nobody wanted to hang out with me unless they were into those kind of bands. And yeah. then when you heard Slayer and Death and Bathory and you know bands like that, then yeah. you had a certain scene just for that, right. which was cool in a way because you know you get a pretty good glue in between the people you hang out with. But, yeah, um, yeah. But it was it's kind of weird today, like when you when you tell like people who are younger today that how it was back then people can't really understand yeah. like why was yeah. it so yeah. you know why was it so uh, clicky compartmentalized yeah. yeah 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 it's weird and uh were you listening to other stuff outside of metal too yeah i mean a little bit later when i met uh, nikki anderson um mm -hmm. who started nihilist and tomb and everything i mean when we we 
we started junior high yeah. together. Uh, I hadn't seen him before, so it was a different area. So which we moved to. Yeah. Uh, me and my parents. Um, so when I met him, he he was a he was into punk rock. He was not into he was not into metal then. Yeah. You know, when we were thirteen, so I was into metal. He was into punk music. So that was kind of interesting that he showed me uh, that side of of extreme music, and I yeah. showed him the the metal part. So, yeah. and from there on, we both kind of like you know we hung out a lot, and we. You know, he he was into Ramones. Yeah. Um, I hadn't listened to them at all, uh, but then from there also came kind of a an interest in. I mean, Ramones is not really punk rock. If, right. I mean, yeah. If you compare it to Sex Pistols, it's a right, different right. thing. Yeah. But they also have a good segue into, you know, power pop music. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, you know, earlier, yeah. like rock and then you have Kiss, and you can. From there, you can go to the Runaways or, oh, yeah. or Jeep yeah. Trick and everything. So we kind of, you know, we, we we took that and showed each other. And then we also had like periods when we went back. And because nice. he was also into Kiss when yeah. he was really oh, nice. my age. You know? yeah. So or we, we were at the same time he's as old as me. So, uh, you know, so it's been a lot of going back and forth. Yeah. So during, even during like the early years of playing Death Metal and everything, I mean, I remember us listening to bands like Descendants and, yeah. you know, the, the softer side of hardcore and punk. Yeah. And, yeah. and so on so you know as we got a little bit older we realized like you know it's okay to listen to yeah. Jim Hendrix yeah, yeah. you know I know I had a point when I because I, I was a I grew up a metal kid and uh, and then once I discovered uh, punk rock and hardcore I kind of stopped listening to Iron Maiden and that kind of stuff and then maybe a, a year or two later I was like what am I doing that's ridiculous like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, once Peace because Peace of Mind came out and I heard that and I'm like no I'm gonna still listen to Iron Maiden this is this is an amazing record and I you know stuck yeah, with them yeah. from there on out and, you know I don't care <laughs> if someone no, thinks exactly. it's too, you know you get to a point where it's all if it's good music it's good music you know yeah yeah um, but there was, there was like a, a Kind of a, a short period there where I felt like, and I was probably the same too. Probably like if someone said that they were listening to something softer than King Diamond, I would probably call them out. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Call them posters and stuff like that. And yeah. I got called, you know, if I so that kind of environment wasn't the best, you yeah. know. And I was part of it, but yeah. it, it was a nice thing once you grow out of that. Yeah, kind of behavior. yeah, definitely. In Boston, there was a, there was a, a metal band called Executioner, a thrash metal band. This is maybe the mid '80s. I remember yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, and they, um, the the singer guitar player for that band, Mark Johnson, started booking shows where he would have hardcore bands and metal bands, and then that's sort of how it happened in Boston, where you know oh, was out, okay. he would, you know, you'd see corrosion of conformity with, you know, whoever, you know, another yeah. punk band, yeah. and then so that he was yeah, sort of cool. a big part of that. That's that awesome. World. But uh, yeah, and I, you know a lot of those people are still friends, and <laughs> to this yeah. day, it's crazy that. that um, so when did you start getting into playing music? Um, I started taking like guitar lessons when I was eleven. Okay. My dad, my dad was kind of like encouraging me, like if you're into music, why don't you try to play yourself? You know, but but the problem back then in Sweden was like yeah, the the few teachers you could go to and and. 
take lessons from they were like you know old right yeah old people who were like yeah now we're gonna play you know everything has to be sheets everything right. has to be you have to sit in a certain way you can't like and we're definitely not playing smoke on the wall yeah or, yeah or, or any kiss or yeah. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. so no 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 that's not first you're gonna play this super you know it was just like okay and <laughs> went for like maybe one year and then i was like well you know this guy i'm I'm not getting out of it and i'm not learning anything and this yeah. is just a, this is just a burden to to you know train for the next session right and did you stay you stuck with guitar though for a while i, I did for yeah. a while and then i had a i met a different teacher uh who who was more like yeah let's play some credence let's play some you know black sabbath and yeah. stuff like that so that was cool but then you know when i wanted to start my own band in 1988 mm-hmm. i think that was then it was like i was i was meant to play guitar that was my whole goal that i was yeah. gonna play guitar but uh we couldn't find a drummer it was impossible so yeah. it was just i was just like all right i'll, <laughs> I'll play the drums then yeah. so we can rehearse you know right so your parents were supportive with as far as music and, and that kind of thing throughout yeah, as you were a kid? They, they, yeah, they were great. They yeah. had, I mean, we moved to a house and they were like, all right, this basement, this this room and the downstairs, that's yours. Have nice. whatever instruments, have your friends over, just one rule. We don't, you don't play after, I think it was 9 p.m. And you have to be quiet when we eat dinner. That yeah. was it. Nice. That's, like, that's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, what, that was great. What kind of stuff uh, did you start playing once you started having friends come over to, to form bands? Um, well, you know, we, we tried to play some covers, but yeah. we, we realized pretty fast that like, we want to play, you know, like thrash death metal and yeah. stuff like that, like yeah. stuff like Testament and Death and... So, so we were like, nah, let's make our own songs, you know. Right. That was kind of immediate. Mm-hmm. We were never in, in in this member. We were never the type of jammy, right? Uh, people. We were always like, let's write a song and let's rehearse our songs. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, the few times we've been like, yeah, let's do a cover or let's jam some. It, it usually tend to stop pretty quickly because yeah. no one's right, feeling right. it. <laughs> and now, so. Once you start playing like your own stuff, is is you know death metal and that kind of thing starting to creep into Sweden? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, because of the tape trading and the, you know, we had one record store in Stockholm that was, you know, in in the center part of in the middle of the city. Uh, who, who it was like these two older guys who were like into the the bluesier rock from the bluesier rock. Up, up until extreme metal and they yeah. were kind of funny because they were like they were not like uh, rigid like most sh- record stores in sweden when i would grow up it was like they were not a mom and pop store they were not like two guys who opened a business it was like a small chain oh, right, and right. they had their employees and you know it wasn't like yeah I'm, I'm gonna you know i'm gonna import whatever you you kids are asking for yeah, most yeah. most of the stores weren't like they were like import yeah we got this on import but i don't know who, oh, right, right. who ordered it yeah you know, they, of course which was kind of weird then that changed a lot but these two guys they were like well if someone asked for a creator album from germany and they don't have distribution in sweden well 
we'll order it from the record company or their distribution down in Germany. Right. And then we're just going to put all the extra costs on top of it and the kids will buy it anyway. But we'll order one of each. You know? Right. Like, if someone asked for a Sodom album, yeah, we will order one. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which was which was great, and it took time to get your your records, but at least they did that. And they also, since since all everybody started talking about it, that like, oh, this store you can go and you can actually, you know, tell them to import the albums that you you would like to hear or right. from certain labels. Yeah. Or, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So they were. So people were like. So they were like. There's a lot of good traffic of kids here you know so yeah like, and, and someone would ask can i put my you know this note up uh, we need a drummer for a band they were like sure yeah. they didn't mind you know right. and they were also like oh you have a fan scene sure you can sell it in the store or you you got a demo sure yeah. i'll sell it for you would take a commission but right. you know good so that that was a game changer yeah and then the yeah so then tape trading tape <laughs> trading after that yeah. and uh, and since like that kind of exploded because you realized also when you had a lot of the, you know, the old metal magazines, you saw that like, what, what's this pen pals like, yeah. pen pals. We thought that pen pals is that you only have that at school. You know, and yeah, we yeah. never, we never fulfilled those kind of thing. We didn't think globally then, but yeah. then you saw like, Oh, this is an American magazine, whatever metal maniacs or whatever. They have a whole page of people with their, you know, address and everything. Yeah. And then you, you're like, all right. So, and then you, you, you know, you could, you got a hold of a demo from American and there was an address in there. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, I'll, oh, we're going to record a demo. Let's put our address in there. And yeah. So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's crazy too. When you think back to, uh, you know, nowadays, imagine like a, a kid writing a letter to someone asking for like a tape or, you know, that's, so yeah. foreign now and that was just yeah, a, like was, and put and put like stamps yeah stamps and, and you gotta wait you know, four weeks or something for the thing to, to show up and that was that was yeah. great you know and, and i i did a fanzine when i was about 14 and that's how i set up a lot of interviews i would i would uh send someone a, a letter in the mail wait you know three weeks and then you know they'd say oh yeah i'll do it and then you write them again yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, you know so <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't either like you could call people i mean yeah, i mean yeah the, the calling of, i mean if you're going to talk to someone who lived outside of your own city or or that little region that would cost you and yeah. if you're going to call someone in a different country I mean, right that was right. <laughs> that was unheard of. you yeah. just didn't do that now who so who were some of your, your favorites around this time this is around like 88 89 well, you know, Revenant with John McEntee, uh he was a really big tape trader and you know, he's a he's a good friend to yeah. this day. So he was big on that. Um I was I was a little bit I wasn't the best at, at the tape trading game, uh, because I had like so much energy to just put into um writing songs and, and learning how to play drums and all yeah. that. So mm-hmm. so I was I had some, you know, but I, I I wasn't really tape trading with autopsy, but Nick did that. So it was yeah. also like, all right, if if you're tape trading with Chris Rayford, I'm not gonna right, do that right. too because yeah. you will get the You'll demo get the and tape, I, yeah. I can I can yeah, and then I can order the tape. But so we were kind of trying to network a little bit bigger too, so that I was friends with someone. And in the beginning, because we tried to 
put out as many feelers as possible. And we also had our like social gatherings here in Stockholm. We we met every Friday and Saturday in the at the central station in Stockholm. Oh yeah. The people. Yeah. So it was like a, a free for all meeting space. Like yeah. all right, no, if you're into extreme metal, yeah, you word to mouth and you would know that that's the place to go. And then when as many people as we could, you know, muster yeah. to, to get on a train, we would try to find somewhere to sit and drink and yeah. listen to yeah. demos. So someone, you know, someone uh, brought like a, a tape machine or something and then we would sit, you know, around the, a kitchen table and yeah. just listen to different demos. So oh, wow. I had awesome. one from Brazil. Someone had another one from another place. And, right. Cool. So that that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And now, so is this is our Carnage the first band that you have? Uh, so we I started this member in '88, but yeah. by the fall of '89, I felt like I was really restless. I really wanted to like you know uh, record. Like I wanted to get an album deal. I wanted to record an album and to get on the road. So. Right. Uh, I met this guy, Michael Amott, who was now in Arch Enemy, and he was in Carcass, he was in Spiritual Beggars, you know, all yeah. these bands. He, me and him met uh, at a show down in the southern part of Sweden where he lived, and we hit it off. And his the drummer in his band, Carnage, um, couldn't rehearse, or I don't know why he quit the band, but he couldn't really do it. So he thought about me. He was like... I know you have a band, but would you, you know, mind trying? Because I want to record a demo, and then we're gonna record an album, and I have a record deal, yeah, more or less ready. So I was like, all right, yeah. So I ditched David and Robert, uh, <laughs> and they were <laughs> they were they were also still in school. And yeah. They were like, now we're gonna finish school, but right. I I quit school. I was like, I don't have time for this. I I got a job, yeah, and I was just like, well. I'm going to have a job now so I have some money, but uh, I will, you know, as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to record an album and get on the road. Yeah. So I was like, I told them like, well, it's not, you know, it's, I can't wait uh, another year for you guys to finish school and yeah. then start shopping right. for, for an album deal and everything. So I, so I moved and me and Michael hit it off and we recorded a demo and then we aimed for an album, which we recorded a couple of months later, early ni 1990. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's the, the carnage part. So we recorded the album, then Michael left for England to to join Carcass because that was a they were pretty big at the time yeah. too. So, so I was like, all right, I guess the carnage days are over. Then <laughs> we we have an album that's not even out yet. Like, what well, what am I gonna do? What are we gonna do? You know, because some of the December guys were in the David was in the carnage in Carnage and, and played on the album too right. so I was like I don't know what are we gonna do um, and then I was just like should we just reform this member then? why not I yeah. mean we have let's do it so me David and Matti did that and so we just restarted this member and recorded another demo and then got the record deal for that so yeah. and who was, so the first record deal was with who so the Carnage album was with Earache yeah um, and then this member, we, we got a record deal with Nuclear Blast Records. Nice. And so so once this happens, the things start happening for you? Like with, you know, did, did you start touring yet at this point? 
Uh, yeah, we started playing shows um, yeah. locally, um, but also, you know, since we had a record deal, uh, they were the the labels back then. They were really they knew that you had to tour to sell albums. So they were like, as soon yeah. as you can, soon soon as we have a tour for you, you're gonna go. And we were like, great. So I let's see, we I, I think we did a short like Denmark tour or something yeah. and that in the fall of 1990, maybe early 91. But yeah. then since we got, when we had the first album in the bag in, I think that was in March in 91, yeah. then they were like, all right, we're going to, this album's going to get released before the summer and we're going to have you on the tour. We're like, all right. Yeah. And that's the, the classic, uh, like an ever flowing stream. Is, uh, yes, a, exactly. Great record. Um, and so this same record, I, th- I think this is moving forward a little bit, is this the, the record where um, it was called Obscene or Indecent or something? Or yeah, Indecent and Obscene. Yeah, and exactly. obscene. So can you tell me that story about what happened with that? Do you mean the court case? Yeah, the, yeah, the court case. Yeah, so, um, so back then, I mean, Nuclear Blast were, they were, they were growing, but they, they had, a, in the UK, they had a, like they had relapse records and nuclear blast relapse records were like doing the nuclear blast work in the US, right? Okay. In the early nineties. Yeah. So in the UK it was Plastic Head, yeah, who were kind of the, the branch of nuclear blast or the the, the partner of nuclear blast in, mm-hmm. in the UK. So they didn't press the albums in, in the UK. The the albums were pressed in Germany and when they shipped those albums, the English customs found our albums. Uh, they were looking for drugs, but they found right. our albums and saw the album cover. And, you know, we were covered in blood and upside down crosses and everything. They were like, what the hell is this <laughs> that someone is importing from Germany? Like in like big bulk, you right, know, what's right. going on? Uh, so they were like, well, let's take a closer look. So they were like reading the lyrics for songs like Skin Her Live and, and right. so on. They were like, this is this is horrendous. We cannot let this pass. Let's sue them. Right. So, so, so they sued Plastic Head Distribution. That was the uh, partner of Nickel Blast. They sued also the government. <laughs> Blast the records. The government sued. It. It was actually not the government. It was so. Uh, it was the customs office who okay. sued. Huh. But I, but I guess they are an arm of the government oh, the somehow. Huh. Yeah, but but they were not. It wasn't like the 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 English government that sued us. It was the customs that, right. that sued us. Huh. Yeah, so they sued the the dish, distributor, the record label, and also the band because right. we were the 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 creator of the art right. that they that they didn't want in their country. So they wanted this band, right. and. Uh, yeah, so we had to go to court. So the yeah, we had That's crazy, it, yeah. It, it was pretty it was pretty uh yeah, it, comical in a sense. So yeah. we had to go to before the court date, we had to you know, go meet our English lawyer who was he he was a funny guy. He first meeting, he was like meet me at this pub. So we took the car out to you know, over rolling hills and all that yeah. out, somewhere outside of London city and we had a pint, introduced ourselves, and he he introduced himself, and then he was like, "All right, lads, there's a there's a 
graveyard just uh, or a cemetery just outside the pub. Let's go there and have the meeting. So we <laughs> took our pints from the pub and had a meeting on uh, like a grave, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Yeah. You know? I was like, "What? This guy's probably like he was probably around you know fifty five. Right. We were like, "This old guy is <laughs> he? He knows what's up here. Right. Like he's funny." You know? Yeah. So, so yes, yeah, so we had we had to like prepare for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, in case we had to uh, be on the stand, we didn't know because right. they were like, "We don't, we don't know who they're gonna call, but they might call you." We're not, we're not really sure what's gonna happen here, right. because because this is a uh, this is the first case in England. I think he said that Cat Stevens, uh, NWA, and then Dismember are the three. By then, the wow. three, yeah, bands or artists that, that actually sued. have been sued. Right. this way so but it was kind of it was kind of a, a drag the whole thing we we were like you know we, we had to take out any piercings we had to you know yeah. put our put our hair up and we had to wear like a suit jacket and all that crazy. and it couldn't show any tattoos even though we didn't have that many back then but right. it, it was just interesting but we had some good witnesses that were witnessing on behalf of us who yeah. were like was this guy from um from the financial district who was like this uh, he was a genius everybody knew who he was in london at the time because he was such a genius with finances so he was like a a real big shot apparently in the financial district there but he apparently loved extreme metal so he would oh, go wow. to the same yeah he would go to the same record store every week and buy whatever new extreme metal album yeah. that would come in uh, so he was a fan so right. he was like well you know uh, everybody, you probably know who I am, and they were like, "Yeah, uh, everybody know." And he was <laughs> like, "Well, I'm into this, and I must be kind of like one of the most considered normal people in this country, yeah, yeah. and also very successful. And you know, yeah, I've never had any bad press or anything. Uh, you know everything about me. I've never done a weird thing my whole life, and right. I'm into this. So come on, right?" You know. And then they play the whole album in its entirety <laughs> on a speaker system in yeah. the courtroom, <laughs> it, it, you know, including like bonus tracks. So yeah. it was like, and you're seeing this like these. It's been so weird, these, right? Yeah, three judges with like you know old style you know wigs the on wigs, and yeah. robes, yeah, everything, and they're sitting and listening to the first Dismember album from start to finish. Without moving a muscle, right. or like the face, facial expressions were completely like void. It's like forty minutes of. Yeah, exactly. So, awesome. so it was like two days in court, and then after the the last lunch break, I think it was Friday, even uh, came the verdict, and they were like, "Yeah, dude, the the whole case is dismissed." Nice. Yeah, so that That's was crazy. it. Was kind of yeah. And that must have, you know, you guys. It's your first record. And that just did that fuel you guys to just want to, you know, kick ass after that, you know, after, you know, because it's kind of like a little roadblock for, for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, um, it was, um, it felt like a good victory. I mean, we got a lot of press from it too, which wasn't yeah. bad, you know, and, uh, and we also got a, we were kind of a little bit of spokespersons for, extreme metal then and there because you know a lot of people were kind of still it's 
it's hard to realize that, but back then people were a little bit butt hurt by pentagrams and yeah, upside yeah. down crosses yeah. and you know like gore lyrics or yeah. growling. Yeah, people were a little bit. Yeah, you know, you know we even even in like it's, it's Sweden where you know the church haven't been strong in that or, or religion hasn't been very prominent since the early 1900s. So. Um, it was kind of weird in that sense. Yeah. But but it was also a good thing that you could show that we're not, you know, fucking... Serial killers. Like serial killer. yeah, exactly. Or, like, drug dealers who right. just lost it, you know? Yeah. And then, so the, and then the next record you guys did was that Indecent It Obscene record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what, that's what the actual... They sued us for being Indecent and Obscene, ah, okay. so that's why we called oh, it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that cover of that record. Uh, can you talk about that? That's the one with the uh, the chest ripped open. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we had um, we had a, a friend who, or friend. He it was this guy who who contacted us, and he was like a he had been doing special effects uh, education in in the U.S. and he was attending this art school with a couple of other people, and they were really interested in. Uh, coming out with concepts for us as a band. Yeah. So we were like, yeah, let's have a, a chat, you know, and he had this really crazy ideas about like, yeah, I, I, I'm seeing your head chopped off, <laughs> hair tied into a knot, almost like in a pentagram. And yeah. I, I can accomplish this. We were like, whoa, really? You can <laughs> How can you do that? I mean, there were no Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. Then. There were, I mean, that was like, he was like, how are you going to do that? No, I'm going to do it old school, like horror movie. Yeah. I was like, but then you better be pretty good then if you're going to try to do this with just special effects. And right. Take a photo of it. And, and he was like, yep, yeah, I know exactly how to do it. And he did it. Nice. So we were like, yeah, I mean, there is very little editing on the on the photo of that the the pieces cover with yeah. the heads. Yeah. So, yeah. but it, so he had this idea too about the torso for indecent scene, and he was like, "Well, it would be cool to have you know a torso ripped open, and then because we had a guy uh, who they knew who who came up with those belt buckles, so yeah. so that this member logo in the chest yeah. piece is actually a belt buckle." Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, so it was like that would be cool if you looks like you ripped open a chest and you have your logo in there. Yeah, oh yeah, go for it. And he did a really great job on that too. Nice, that's awesome. And, and at this point, the band's kind of firing on all all gears now. You guys yeah. start touring a lot and stuff. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. It was like just touring, 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 recording when yeah. you didn't tour. Yeah. When did you come to uh, the states the first time? Uh, summer of 1993, I think like around May or something, we landed in Miami and then we did like a whole North America tour. Yeah. We, we were out for like 10 weeks. Oh, wow. Was that uh, just you guys or did you tour with someone? So it was Vader were the opening act and then it was us and then Dayside. Oh, nice. But the second part of the tour, the last four or five weeks, we, uh, Dayside went home, and we continued for five more weeks with Suffocation as a co-headliner. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was that was good times. So it was yeah. so different over here compared to Europe. In yeah, so I was going to say, so. did, did you find differences between uh, the metal bands here and the, and the metal bands, you know, in Europe and in Sweden? 
Yeah, people are more laid back here. Yeah. In, in Europe, people were still like, you know, like uh, not on edge, but more like, you know, I think it's the weed too. Yeah. People, <laughs> yeah. you know, people don't, I mean, except for, for Amsterdam and, yeah. and, and so on. The, back then, not a lot of people were smoking yeah. weed, you know, yeah. so people were drinking and stuff. Right, and, right. You know, like it's kind of that Nordic, kind of Nordic european behavior that yeah, yeah. usually people get pretty hyped up when they right. drink you know so it was a different story here people didn't drink as much but yeah. they were smoking weed you know uh-huh. so different vibe yeah different vibe but but also um a lot of it was different i mean beautiful country and you you got to see a lot you got to meet a lot of different people yeah uh during those 10 weeks you know so so that was pretty cool yeah. that we you know i really felt like oh this is you know i had been over once before but yeah. that when you really saw the whole country and everything and met so many yeah. nice and cool people it was a game changer definitely and, and then you and you notice like at the end of the day metalheads all over the world were all kind of the same like when you yeah. you know you can yeah. sit here and shoot the shit about exactly you know, an iron maiden song for three hours you know Yep. And, uh, <laughs> you know, yep. I still do it to this. You know, my girlfriend makes fun of me because I'll be in a store and I'll see, you know, a guy with a Celtic frost shirt. And I'm like, I got to go say something to that guy, like, cool shirt. And she's like, why do you have to do that every time? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. He just needs to know. And he'll, you know. <laughs> yeah, but that, so. isn't that like the old instinct too? Like, yeah, when you yeah. were a kid, like, if you saw someone with a shirt, like, that was so rare. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, and I mean, oh I, st- I still. Yeah. I still feel that it's a little bit rare. It's not yeah. often that I see a guy in a motorhead shirt yeah. walking down the street, right? Yeah. It's like, I have a feeling that sometimes I have to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. do it. Yeah, where I live, I, yeah, I'm kind of in the sticks a little and you don't, you don't really see yeah. that here. So if I do see someone in, <laughs> so, you know. But that's shirt. another thing like that, that I noticed. I remember touring over here that people are way more open to speak to people they don't know in you know if you do that in sweden you just walk up to someone in sweden unless it's very obvious that you're going to ask about a shirt because you have the same shirt on or something right if it's not that oh you're looked upon like you're a fucking freak (laughs) yeah and people people avoid you and they don't want to talk to you because either you're drunk you're high or you're a metal case yeah yeah it's the weirder huh yeah that's so crazy. that's uh yeah that's that's that was and i still love that yeah know? yeah definitely. living over here i i i have myself changed for the better just because it's it is more fun yeah life's supposed to be fun yeah, not be being like laid back. yeah yeah you don't have to hang out that's another thing that that i was like uh, first couple of times over here i i felt like people oh, people are not really genuine you know if you say what's up and and i start you know, talking about my day, right. then they don't want to hear it because that's <laughs> that's not how it was intended, right. I and know. I couldn't read it right. Yeah, you know? it's not like how you do one. That's a different story. <laughs> if you yeah. actually look someone in the eye, you know, it's like yeah. those social codes. I, I didn't yeah. get it at first. Yeah, but, but but the good thing is also that you don't always have to talk about it because if exactly. you start in, yeah. in Sweden, if you start engaging with someone then both parts are going to feel awkward if you just stop talking. So yeah. you have to keep, it's almost like you, you force yourself to, to continue talking a little bit so that you don't yeah. act like a shallow weirdo. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. So that's a bit of a culture <laughs> clash. I'd it say. is, yeah. I, yeah. I've never thought of that. And then that kind of almost goes back to when we were talking about how people being like real strict about their metal. Like, you know, if, you know, yeah. if something's heavier than Maiden, they're, you know, take it very serious and... 
that's childish right. or whatever. Or these guys, you know, that guy's growling. He doesn't. He can't sing like. Rob yeah, Halford can't hear what they're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, uh, when, when did you start getting into uh, studio work and, and sound and that kind of thing? Um, well, from early on, I mean, the recordings we did in the, in the early days were so poor and, you know, you couldn't trust people who were recording for you back then because they didn't understand. Yeah. You know, this, what, what is this? It's just noise. Like, right. I, I don't want to work with this, but I have to because yeah. I'm working in the studio and they're giving me money, but I hate it. You know, yeah. it was that kind of attitude all it's the like time. The, so I was like, it, it's, it's not sounding right. Right. And, and then when we finally hit the sunlight studio with a guy who who knew what he was talking about he didn't you know tell us that it sucked he understood where we wanted to go he could he had good references he you know he worked with very small means you know he didn't have yeah. like super expensive mics or anything he was not a snob right but he, he was a music nerd a yeah. sound nerd so you know, we even though he was older than us, he was like, "Oh, we're on the same wavelength." Yeah, this yeah. guy, and that—that's when it really, I, I really hit it off with him because yeah. I would sit next to him and see what he was and doing, watch and, all this stuff, and absorb exactly. Yeah. And he—he he liked the fact that I was so interested, so yeah. he wanted to teach. So, uh, I mean, after a couple of years recording with him, I was like, uh, "Can I work here? You know, can yeah. I do apprenticeship?" And he was like, "Sure." Yeah. So that must have been around 1994, maybe. Oh, okay. So that early, yeah. Yeah. And you did production on the Dismember records for... Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and it's funny to, like, thinking of these, like, studio people you go into, it's almost like the, the guitar teachers early on that, you know, don't... Yep, exactly. You know, want anything to do with metal. They're just kind of teaching you happy yeah, birthday and, they, and shit like that so, and then yeah you go stuff to like that and they were like yeah but I don't have to care how I mic this or if because these kids are going to suck anyway so yeah, I don't have to yeah. put any effort in yeah. myself and they would also say stuff like well you know what you, you're going to like in a couple of years you'll grow up and then you grow out of this you know and then you'll understand that Beatles is Beatles is the best album or best band ever you know yeah, yeah. and it's like yeah I I understand that they are, but that has nothing to do with what, what we were, we're doing. Do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're doing our own thing. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, like your like your own thing, death metal in Sweden. A lot of time, you know, they talk about Swedish death metal. Mm-hmm. And what would you say is like elements of that that would you know separate that from what you know just not regular death metal, but like a band like Obituary or something. Um, I think that there's a little bit more, at least the Stockholm death metal scene in the early days, there's a little bit more punk rock to it. Yeah. You have like some, you know, you have elements from Discharge and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Agnostic Front. Yeah. I I know for a fact because I, that's how I listened to it. I I was crossing and like... You know, I could tell if like, oh, this this charge riff, that's almost a death metal riff. You know, yeah, and you yeah. realize that. And yeah. you're like, and this is groovy. This is like this yeah. has a different kind of groove to it yeah. to it than if you do the four four like Judas Priest would have done it, you yeah. know. Yeah. So you can you can mix those elements and I think that's probably the the thing that stands out the most. Yeah. Yeah. If you compare like American bands and Swedish bands back then. Yeah. Okay. And um so, how many records did you do with Dismember? 
six or seven, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then you, you you took a break at one point. Yeah, I did. I, you know, I had um, young kids at home. We yeah. were touring a lot. And it, it was also like, this was back in 2007. It was pretty rough to like try to live off of the music. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back then because we you know people were like yeah come and play here and then you go play there and you know there's not a lot of people showing up unless it's it's a friday or saturday so that's you know and still we kept going so yeah you know not no money really saved and you know problem to put food on the table yeah uh, for someone that has a family that i got it got too much yeah And, and were you living in the States at that point? No. no. Yeah. I lived in Stockholm, Sweden. Yeah. Uh, no, I moved here when my kids were like, they were old. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And you did a, a, a sort of like, I hate the term super group, but you did the uh, that Necronaut record that had a bunch of uh, different guests. You had Chris from Autopsy. And uh, how, how, how was that to put that together? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that that was a lot of fun, yeah. um, and it's it's interesting that you know about it because that was like not a lot of people know. Yeah, about yeah. That. Well, I was well, I was doing research on like you know just to make sure, yeah. and I I saw that record and I, I I never knew about it when it came out or anything, but man, I've gone and listened to it and it's it's pretty awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, like when I when I quit or when I. Stopped playing in this member and they wanted to keep going and everything. I I had some music that was meant for the next dismember album. Yeah. Um. And I was like, Do you guys want this or not? Or like, Do you want to like, or should I just use it myself for something if I need to? Or do you want these? Like, am I destroying the songs? I've if they were like, Nah, but you know what? It's just gonna be so messy when you do <laughs> like because we we had we always had like a very rigid system for how um how the music was uh, written and who gets the right Credits cut and, and everything okay. yeah because most bands are like well let's just split everything but you know we were we were all on the same page when it came to that because it's like if if i write something and you don't why should you get money yeah, yeah. for the time i spent writing this right, and right. we all agree that it should be on the album so yeah so we we solved that by being very rigid with that system so yeah. so they're like nah you know it's just gonna be annoying in that sense or whatever and we you know it's fine you're not ruining anything if you take it back so right. all right so I, t- I took my stuff except for like one riff i think and and i was like ah, i have so much more material but <laughs> this is maybe this is not this memory you know maybe this is not and maybe that's where we also like a little bit felt that mm, you know this is not working for the band. And I was like, well, I don't think that works either. You know, we were not really on the same, same page right. then and there. So I, I was like, well, let's see what I can do with this. So I did like one song and then I had some more stuff and I, oh, this is going good. You know, and this is not really death metal. It's here. Now I can do anything. I can do yeah. a thrash song if I want to. I can yeah. do a doom song if I want to. And uh, let's just write some music. And then when I had like four or five songs i was like hmm i mean how who's gonna sing on this and how am i what am i gonna do and then i was like well you know what i'm gonna play everything myself yeah i'm gonna you know uh that's that's the like the only way to go i don't want to 
but then I was like, but I'm going to need someone who plays lead guitar here and there. And then I'm going to have to have different vocalists because the music is pretty different from song to song. Yeah. So like, it's not going to cut it with just one person. So maybe I can just, and then I don't have to find a band. I don't have to find a singer just for this project. Yeah. That probably will. And I wasn't going to go do a lot of shows anyway, because I was going to be home with my kids. Right, so. right. Yeah. <laughs> but I needed the, the outlet for the creativity. Right. Uh, so I was like, well, let's see if I can, you know, I know a lot of people in, yeah. the, in the metal scene, so I could probably, you know. So I started calling people like who's interested and i got pretty early on i got a really good like response yeah. so i was like all right i mean even like chris rayford he was like of course no problem nice. like, what really <laughs> you know, okay yeah you know so uh yeah it wasn't it wasn't that hard actually yeah and that must have been relaxing to not have to have everything like this has to be you know in the confines of what you were doing with dismember you know like this is a dismember song. So with this, you had the freedom to just, like you said, do a doom song or a thrash metal song or, or, or what have you. Exactly. I could do whatever I wanted to. I could, uh, you know, I didn't have to ask anyone else. Yeah. Uh, it was freedom in that sense. And it was also kind of like, I also could do it whenever I wanted. I mean, that took a long time yeah, to, yeah. because I was working daytime you yeah. know, uh, for a furniture company. So I had to go out and record on, on the weekends yeah. um, and up to, you know, so it was like, it took like a year to, or more, maybe, maybe 18 months to, yeah. to finish it. And I recorded everything myself, played all the instruments and everything and mixed it and, and so on. So it was like a, a slow process. And then, yeah. you know, getting, getting this, the people to sing and all that, that was also a little bit tricky, yeah. easier today, but right. But it was a lot of fun, and I learned a lot from it. Yeah, having and you and you have your own studio where you would do this, or were you going places and, and recording? No, I did, I did because me and and Nicky Anderson again. He, because um, I told him about my plans when I when I quit this member, and he was like, "Well, I've been thinking about you know uh, putting the helicopters to rest." I was like, "Really? Like, okay, huh. I thought you were doing." He was like, "No, nah, I'm getting tired of it. Wow. I want to take a break from touring and everything. I would like to start a recording studio." Yeah, I was like, "Okay," and he had a house out on the on the countryside outside of Stockholm, like an hour outside of Stockholm. Yeah, so he was like, "Maybe we can do this together somehow," you know. And I got you know I got money put away from the last helicopters tour and i was like well all right let's see what we can do and so we we decided so he he had like a, a little annex or an outhouse uh, that was like separated from the main building where yeah. he lived so he he built we built kind of a little recording studio two rooms out there and then we made a mixing studio in my apartment in the city oh that's awesome so I couldn't record drums or anything, but right. I could record guitar and yeah. you know stuff that wasn't too loud. Right. So we had like a recording studio at his place and then a mixing studio at my place. So I could, you know, it was pretty convenient. So I went out to him, played, recorded the drums there, and then I took the files with me and kept recording at home. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> a few years later, you do this uh, band, The Dagger. Oh yeah, Which, exactly. And that record, I've listened to it a few times now, and like if you told me that was recorded in 1977 or something, I would I would believe you. It's uh, <laughs> that. So how did that band come about? It's like it's like an early 
almost sounds like Uriah Heep and early Maiden and Saxon and, and that kind of thing. It's it's cool. Yeah, that that was the whole whole plan because um, you know I, when I quit this member, they they made one more album and then they toured their asses off for like eighteen months, yeah. you know, straight. And then they took a break, and um, some of the guys in the band at the time were having kids. So they were like, well, we should probably, you know, uh, put this on ice for a while. Yeah. Uh, so David was, David, the guitar player, um, I mean, me and him started this member, so we, we've always kind of played together, except for that, yeah, one and a half years that I was not in the band anymore. Right. So uh, when, when I told him about the Necronaut, project he was like whoa that's that's cool so you're gonna not just do straight up death metal i was like no i'm gonna make you know it's gonna be heavy metal it's gonna right. be and i played some stuff for him and he was like whoa that's great i i have some riffs that were too light for this member you know and yeah. everything so he played that to me and then we're like well why, why don't we do a you know straight up early early like hard rock heavy metal band yeah. we, we tried to make it sound like the shit that we always listen to, like yeah. Rainbow, Iron Maiden, yeah. uh, Saxon, you know, like, and, and make it really try to go there for once. Yeah. Because, like I said, we, w- we were never a jammy band. Right. We were never really experimental like that or anything. Yeah. Um, so why don't we try to play and see, like, how, how, like, how we have to change ourselves as musicians just to, to play something that it's going to sound way older than what we've done before you know so yeah. it was kind of a experiment and also a, a kind of a way to go back to our roots and just start analyzing yeah. the albums you know production wise playing wise too because even if you're like yeah i know every single drum fill on let's say um i don't know uh, uh, sad wings of destiny yeah you you still you know, if you analyze it and you start, you know, peeling off the layers, then you're like, oh, how did they record that? It sounds really special. Yeah. That, you know, and me being like a recording engineer and, and music producer too, I was like, I really want to know, you know, try to to find the spirit of Martin Birch, you know, yeah. and see yeah. how, what would he have done? What did he do back in 72? Yeah. Yeah, you know, like with, with like that, Deep yeah. Purple. Yeah. Like, well, how did he really do it? And then, you know, a lot of music biographies came out too. And, you know, like talking about how they mic drum kits yeah. and, and like, you know, what kind of mics they used and what, you know, what kind of amps yeah. and everything. So we, we nerded out completely. And That's my favorite part of uh, music bios when they get into that, the right? meat of like songwriting and that kind of thing. I don't care about their divorces and drugs exactly. and all that stuff, you know? <laughs> exactly. I, I want to know what, what, what the hell kind of pick did Yeah, yeah. Because what it's, was, yeah. it's a different kind of strumming on that song. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's, and that's what we did. So we really went to the bottom of it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you, de- you definitely captured it. And, and it's, oh, it's thanks. A, it's a cool Appreciate record. that. Yeah. And now, the, the, so presently dismember exists as much as a band can exist in, in yeah. 2021 um but did you were you guys doing anything in the last couple of years yeah yeah so we we did we before the pandemic hit we 
we made we did three live shows together yeah. again, like reunited and the original lineup and yeah. everything. So that that was fun. Two shows in Stockholm and one in Switzerland. Right. So we had you know last year should have been a lot of shows, but right. that didn't happen. So we'll see. Maybe yeah. maybe this fall or something. I don't know. Yeah. And now you're just uh, you're doing studio work and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. At this point, yeah. Cool. Well, hopefully, you know, we can all get back to, to normal and, you know, you guys can... Uh, have you thought of uh, recording again with this member, you think? We've talked about it now that everything, especially when everything turned out like this, we started yeah. talking about it a little bit more since, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if, if we can't play live for a while, maybe we should record something new. Yeah. It would be fun. Everybody seemed to be on board with yeah. it, so that's that's a good thing. That's all I care about yeah. and then to like if not everybody's interested in it well then we're not going to do it yeah you know? and you guys have always have you always got along Was there yeah yeah it seemed like yeah. a pretty strong friendship with those guys so that's cool yeah absolutely no yeah. it's like uh you know certain periods of time after i quit the band i didn't really you know we didn't not all of us but yeah. me and david me and david we've always been tight like that yeah well, I I hope we can uh, see you guys play again soon. And, yeah, that would be yeah, would be fun. And uh, be a lot of yeah. And thanks for taking the time out to talk. To of me course, first. this was uh, no, really cool. Yeah, really. I hope we can hang out. Yeah, I know, yeah. definitely. Not too far future. Seriously. But but do you live in Boston? I live in Boston. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'll have to come. I know you were you working at Saint Vitus with. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, st- I, I, I did like, I did like my first like show there because yeah. I used to play it. Uh, I used to work in another venue where he worked too, you know, okay. in, in Brooklyn, not far from Vitus, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I did like I think one or two, or like two or three yeah. shows, and right, then right. everything <laughs> shut down. So yeah, oh, but I'll I'll definitely hit you up if I'm awesome. going up north. Yeah, definitely, uh, man. I haven't been in a while. Yeah. And uh, same here if I'm heading down that way. Yeah, yeah, let me know. It would be cool to hang out. Yeah, definitely. All right, sir. Well, you have a good night, Fred. You too. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye.